Let's talk about technology this morning and how it isn't always equitable. It moves so fast that often people can get left behind. It's kind of what we see happening again with artificial intelligence and digitization. And you know what? There's actually work being done to make sure Indigenous groups in particular don't get left behind. But what does that work look like? Ah, that's where our next guest comes in. Denise Williams is with us, a member of the Couch and Tribes and visiting lecturer at Simon Fraser University. Denise, thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, this sounds like a huge challenge. Where do you even start when you're talking about helping people catch up with technology? Well, it's a, it's a good question and one that's been going on for maybe 20, 25 years in First Nations communities in Canada. We've been disproportionately uh, left out of the conversation, especially when it comes to building just basic uh, infrastructure to to connectivity, uh, broadband access. And so, um, yeah, it's something that the First Nations Technology Council has worked uh, a long time on um, and is still, you know, really moving to try to understand how we can work with different levels of government, industry, philanthropy, academia um, to advance uh, that work. It takes a little bit um, of political and regulatory and legislative uh, change and political will to make happen in this country. Um, and so that's why uh, I'm doing a little bit of work with the First Nations Technology Council on building Canada's first First Nations digital equity strategy um, to center Indigenous voices and bring all of these different parties around the table to understand what the desire of First Nations peoples uh, is to have uh, these digital and connected technologies come into their lives, into their communities. And now with the advancement of artificial intelligence, um, again, we're looking at what's going to be kind of a force multiplier of uh, how those technologies are going to change um, the landscape, uh, the economic landscape, um, again, because these types of technologies are going to uh, impact every aspect. Uh, of our lives and um, in a much faster way, I think, is what we predict than what uh, connectivity uh, has in the last couple of decades. Right. So if there's a gap then, Denise, is that gap going to get even bigger, even faster? Because if we can't catch up even from the Internet, right, it's been so slow. And as you put out, there's places that still don't have proper Internet connectivity. AI is going to leave things in the dust, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a potential Risk, and I think it's 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 uh, especially going to affect Indigenous peoples in Canada. It will affect um, many Canadians, and so I think it's something that is becoming more of a live conversation about what that um, what that inequity is going to look like, and how do we, uh, you know, as a country, as Indigenous peoples with um, specific um, rights and and title in this country, um, begin to organize to to be able to address that. I think. I think one thing uh, you know that I've been thinking a lot about is um, how actually um, AI could become uh, actually a force multiplier of advancing digital equity. Uh, I think that there are some specific ways that we can use this um, technology in a good way, um, all very preliminary, you know, in terms of thinking, because we're all kind of new to this conversation. But um, I do think that there are some ways that um, Indigenous peoples harnessing the power of artificial intelligence could mean um, rapid advancements in our ability to um, uh, uh, have our language um, uh, more prominent 
in the way that our peoples listen to things like even like media, because artificial intelligence is going to allow podcasts and other ways that we we consume information, um, potentially through its large language model integrations to um, have us be able to listen to things in Indigenous languages. And so I'm curious about what that looks like and if that's something that uh, could actually advance Indigenous people's interests in in uh, in our languages, and and then I kind of think about to the repatriation of our data. So data sovereignty is a big conversation. What do you, what do you um, mean? What does that mean? Repatriation of the data. What kind of data? Yes. Yeah, so First Nations communities in particular have been reporting to provincial and federal governments, federal governments primarily um, since since colonization and um, the Indian Act. And so a lot of data about our communities, about our people, all lives in different disparate um, systems across uh, across the, the, the Canadian federal government. Um, I think that there could be an opportunity um, to use AI to uh, quickly um, uh, organize that data and have it housed within First Nations communities so that they can understand um, longitudinal um, questions about their about their communities and be able to uh, own that data, which is actually a a uh, First Nations approach uh, called OCAP, which is a very important framework. Ownership, control, access, and possession of our data is a very important topic in in this country, and I think AI might have the ability to advance it. So you talked about though needing you know sometimes this little push to get that the regulations and and get the lawmakers on board. Like, is the support there? Is progress being made? Well, this is one of the reasons I think uh, AI could be, like I say, a force multiplier of digital equity. Is one of the challenges with basic infrastructure um, like broadband technology or cellular connectivity is it actually requires government to come on board and make investment. There needs to be the political will there to do that. And over the last couple of decades, we've seen a lot of money go into connectivity and infrastructure bills, and our communities tend to not benefit not only in in getting the builds done at, at, a, at, a, at a fast rate, but also not addressing the issues of sustainability um, and affordability. So I think the difference with um, AI is that it's got a different level of proliferation. So uh, this is actually in the hands of users today. It's not actually, you know, uh, we're not knocking on the government doors saying, hey, we want access to artificial intelligence and then this technology. It exists today and anybody can access it and anybody can use it. And it's going to have an omni-use um, uh, uh, presence in our lives. And so Indigenous people, uh, you know, could have the ability to use this um, technology to advance this conversation in a, in a way with, with information um, and with information that uh, we have never really had at our fingertips before um, to perhaps advance our our. Uh, our our intention on this issue. Wow, it sounds like it has the potential to be transformational. Denise, thank you so much for telling us all about it. Thanks so much for asking.